Romans 3, verses 1 to 17. You'll find it on page 833 of the Church Bibles. Rules for holy living. Since, then, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray for Steve as he shares God's word. Father God, we thank you for Steve. We thank you that he is saved by your grace, that you graciously revealed to him 
what your cross and resurrection mean, Lord. And Steve responded to that call. We thank you. We thank you that he's responded to this call to train as a, as a lay minister, as a reader. And we pray your blessings upon him as he continues in his training. And we thank you, Lord, for, for Steve's preparation for this talk this morning. And um, we pray now that your spirit would anoint his words and open our hearts to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here we go. Okay, so good morning. Um, what not to wear? Uh, I know most, uh, well, many of us subscribe to a daily devotional thing. I, I get the word for you today into my email box. And uh, here's an extract from a recent one. An Anglican bishop once quipped, Why is it that everywhere the Apostle Paul went, they had a revolution? And everywhere I go, they have a cup of tea. It continues, Paul didn't blend in, he stood out. On his first missionary journey, he was stoned and he was left for dead. On the second, they threw him into prison. I don't know about you, but nothing like that has happened to me since Freshers Week at university. Paul didn't blend in, he stood out. Do we, do we stand out in the world to our family, to our friends, to our co-workers, and I do mean in a good way? Or do we keep our heads down in the belief that we can't even improve ourselves to be of any use, never mind making the world a better place. Do we work around our character flaws rather than try to change? Do we strive for a quiet life, an easy life? And that's what I'd like us to ponder this morning. Because in today's reading from Colossians, Paul asks us, how serious are we about being a Christian? As Christians, we're supposed to set our minds on God to live for Him, not to live for earthly things. So, but do we really act like that? Paul says in the message version of Colossians 3, 1, 12, which is the next slide. So if you're serious about living this resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Are you challenged by that statement? I, I certainly am. And we're nearing the end of our year of exploration as a church family. What are we going to do differently at the end of that year? How are we going to be different in ourselves? Why are our lives more like that bishop's than like Paul's? Why is living the resurrection life as a Christian so difficult? Or maybe you're thinking, no, I find it really easy. Well, whatever your experience is, I'd like you to share, please, with your neighbor, maybe for a minute each, just for the next couple of minutes. Next slide. So please just discuss that. Why is that resurrection life? Why is living that life as a Christian, centering our lives on God, why is that so difficult? Please have a chat amongst yourselves.
Okay, thank you. So, let's dive into the reading now. Um, okay, so if we look at the reading, um, as Pauline said, it's on pages 833 in the Blue Church Bible, if you'd like to uh, follow through as I pick some parts of it out. Um, Paul was writing this, possibly with the help of Timothy, to the church at, uh, at Colossae, which is a small city in, in what is Turkey today. And as a bunch of new Christians, they, they were struggling. They were struggling to understand the full details of the faith in the face of false prophets and teachers, feeling like they needed something more in addition to Christ. So Paul, he was trying to help. And previously in Colossians 2, he was talking about what it was to be in Christ. And here he's putting that in practical terms, outlining a vision of how the Christian life should look. And he sets a pretty high bar. He says we should rid ourselves of, amongst other things, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Well, me, that's me banjaxed on my drive into work every morning. We're also not to lie. We're not to engage in sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. We're always to be compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. Feeling daunted? I am. I'd like to draw out three points from this passage and to perhaps lighten the mood a little bit. Um, I've tried to relate them all to the clothing theme that Paul uses. So I'm going to try and relate uh, to our quest to live good Christian lives, to go in clothes shopping. So I present to you the three golden rules for shopping, also known as three points on Colossians 3.1.17. So the first one is be bold and confident. And a personal shopper will always make sure you don't go out looking like a complete wally. I will hopefully make this clear as we go through. Secondly, throw out the old wardrobe. If you get a whole new clothes wardrobe, you've got to make room, so throw out the old wardrobe. Um, and you can always rely on your nearest and dearest to be truthful with your clothes choices. And the point that we are all a family here in this church. So I'll try and unpack that. Hopefully um, it will become clear. I'm sure it will. So first of all, Paul inspires us to be bold and confident because Jesus has our backs. When I go and buy new clothes by myself, I always feel a little bit apprehensive when I go home with them and show them to my family. So when I wanted to buy some new gym gear, I enlisted the help of my youngest daughter to help me choose the outfit. If I hadn't, I may as well, I might have gone to the gym looking like this. <laughs> but instead, I went to the gym looking like this. <laughs> the fact is, my daughter protects me from bad judgment. She hides my poor fashion sense from the world. So how do you think am I going to tenuously link that to the Colossians reading? If we go back to point one again, let's look at verse three. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Hidden with Christ in God. Christ hides our lives. What does that mean? Well, it means literally that. Christ hides our sinful lives. As children of God, we adopt the righteousness of God as our own. He gives us a clean slate. This isn't new theology from Paul. It's a fundamental part of what salvation means. In the Old Testament, all those complicated rules and rituals and regulations, it was all people trying to be as holy as God, as righteous as God. We fail 
We always fail. It's mission impossible to be as righteous as God. And that's why Jesus did what he did on the cross. That single act allowed us to assume the righteousness of God. So when God the Father looks on us, he doesn't see our sins. All he sees is the righteousness of Jesus. So we are shielded by Christ's righteousness so that, verse 4, when Christ appears, we will also appear with him in glory. We are together with him. He protects us. He has our backs so we can be inspired. We can be bold and confident to, to go shopping, to work on being better and more useful to God. Second point. If we're going to have a personal makeover, throw out the old wardrobe. Wear God's choice of clothes, not ours. Paul gives us this imagery of rejecting the old worldly self by comparing it to the removal of old clothes for new, a personal makeover. And of course, when you get a completely new wardrobe, you throw out the old to make way for the new. In verse 9, you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self. Verse 12, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility. Verse 14, over all these, put on love. And the message translation of this passage builds on this clothing imagery even more. It says, lies are like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Every item of your new way of life is custom-made by the Creator with His label on it. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. So I think that clothing imagery is helpful because it's memorable. If we're to continue to change, to transform ourselves into the likeness of Jesus, we need continual reinforcement to sustain our gains. Whenever we're tempted by old sin patterns, perhaps we can imagine them as, as dirty old clothes and imagine removing them and throwing them into a fire. So the third and final point, Paul tells us we're not alone in this. We are family, part of the community of Christ. We are family, and we can always rely on our family, and we should be able to rely on our family to be always truthful to us. Paul wasn't addressing the Colossian church as individuals. He was addressing them as a community. The good news is, we're not expected to do this by ourselves. We're all in this together. Many times Paul indicates this. In verse 9, do not lie to each other. Verse 12, as God's chosen people, plural. Verse 13, bear with each other, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Verse 15, as members of one body. And then finally, verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Just like when I go home with truly awful clothes and my family gives me open and honest feedback on my choices. They don't lie. They admonish me for buying yet another checky shirt. I'm wearing a checky shirt. Uh, but but they, they forgive my poor choices and they teach me what suits me better. Just like that, we need to go deeper together. And this is one of the key three vision areas that we'll be focusing on as a church family going forward. Deeper together in grace. Deeper care, deeper fellowship. 
in grace, because if we're to develop as a family in Christ, we must be graceful with each other. If you look at that imagery of the tree, I like the way the artist has got grace in the roots, you know, the roots that nourish the whole rest of the tree. Um, I, I will kind of compare that to, you know, our hearts, they're hidden beneath the surface, but they play a critical role in sustaining our bodies. And if our grace is only skin deep, we're not being authentic. But if we deal with each other with the grace of Jesus in our hearts, then grace should exude from our whole body. We, we will radiate grace. And then we can truly be authentic with one another. We can be honest, we can admonish, we can correct without causing effect. But how do we actually go about doing that Christine Pohl, in her book, Living Into Community, uses the statement, grace assumes sin. Grace assumes sin. What do you think about that statement? Do you agree with that? Grace assumes sin? It has a logic to it. And if grace does assume sin, then can't we admit to sin without shame? When I acknowledged earlier my you know, daily commute to work, uh, my use perhaps of some questionable language with other drivers, I bet some of you thought, glad it's not just me. When I've talked with friends in this congregation about my own personal failings and weaknesses, they've often revealed their own struggles to me. Why did they open up like that? I've joked about how you know, my family can give me their candid opinions on my clothes that I buy, but why do they do that? Why can't I rely on the staff in the shop and the other customers to give me open and honest feedback? I think the answer lies in one word, relationship. It's all about relationships. The deeper the relationship, the easier it is to be authentic. Our family, our friends, they all know our bad bits, but they still love us. For us, the grace they exhibit isn't just skin deep. It's from their roots, it's from their hearts. With them, we live in an atmosphere of grace which is another phrase from Christine Paul's book. She says, um, in this quote here, in an atmosphere of grace, truth seems less offensive and more important. If you talk about people's failures with them as matter-of-factly as you talk about the weather, they'll hear your love and not your judgment. So to sum up, we'll go to our three points again. Thank you. Be bold, be confident. Be inspired. The creator of the universe, he stands with us. He makes us righteous before Father God. So we must be inspired, be confident, let go, let God. Let God shape us, use us. And then we will appear with him again, shoulder to shoulder in glory when he returns. Secondly, throw out those old clothes for good. Have a makeover, put on the new self. Remember that image of replacing the old clothes with the new when those patterns of sin that we're most vulnerable to tempt us or taunt us, let's take a moment, envisage taking off those ill-filling clothes and throwing them into a fire, dressing ourselves in God's wardrobe. And thirdly, we are family. We're all in this together, all members of the one body, part of the community of Christ, each and every one of us saved by the grace of God alone. Let us mirror that grace with each other so we can be authentic with each other, accountable to one another. We are a church family. Let's go deeper together. Amen.